How many of you guys are glad to be worshiping with us today? Give a thumbs up, give a heart to show that you are here representing in the pages, right? Show some love to your people, worshiping together online. Hey, I'm going to say a word, you guys type it out, okay? God is good. A-L-L-T-H-E-T-I-M-E. And all the time? Amen, amen. Hey guys, I have a good word for you guys today on Palm Sunday. Okay. Today we, re- we, we begin to worship and celebrate Jesus walking into his storm to fulfill his promise to bring us salvation. And we're going to culminate that into Good Friday this Friday and to Easter on Sunday. But I want to I share with you a word first uh, that's going to help us, I pray, to get us through our storm. Okay. I want to give you guys a word today that's going to help us walk through our storms faithfully. Um, it's in the book of Acts. Uh, Chapter 27, verses 10 to 36. Acts chapter 27, verses 10 to 36. Uh, Let me give you a quick introduction. I have a PowerPoint that I'm going to use for you guys to help you guys follow along because I know some of y'all's ADD out there and you guys just cannot follow. All right, so I got got a PowerPoint set up. Uh, I was inspired by Evan's PowerPoint last week, and so I wanted to make sure that you guys are following along today's message because it's a good message and you need to hear it, okay? Acts chapter 27, verses 10 to 36. All right. By introduction, the last few chapters in the book of Acts, okay, the last few chapters in the book of Acts is otherwise known as the suffering of Paul because homie had one bad thing happen to him after another in succession. And what we're going to read about is this shipwreck that he is going to be a part of at this moment right now, okay. He's on a ship heading to Rome because he was accused of doing something very um, wrong in Judea. So he said, I'm not going to let you guys try me, I'm going to go and appeal to Caesar because then I will get a fair trial. So he appeals to Caesar. He's put on a boat with a bunch of sailors, and because he appealed to Caesar, he was escorted by a bunch of soldiers, okay? The soldiers were there to keep him in custody. The sailors were there to man the boat. Now, he's in the storm called the Northeaster, okay? The storm is like a hurricane storm. It's the type of storm where everyone's afraid of their, for their lives. It's a storm that's going to destroy everything. They were in the storm for many days, Right? And they didn't think they were going to make it. So let me read Acts 27, uh, verses 10 to 20 as a way of context as we begin this message. Okay, Acts 27, verse 10 to 20, real fast, as a way of context. This is Paul speaking. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said... Follow the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So Paul is saying, I don't think we should go. It's going to be a bad time to go. No one listened to Paul. They said, let's just go anyways. Verse 13. And when the gentle wind, gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. And so they weighed anchored and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and cloud, not head, and I'm sorry, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Calda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. 
And when the men, the sailors, had hoisted aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. They were in this really big mess. They were afraid that they were going to hit the, the, the sandbar. The ship would get cracked, so they were tying up the ship right, with ropes. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard because things were being cracked. They were sinking, right? So they had to lower the weight. Verse 19, on the third day, they threw the ship's trackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved, right? This was a catastrophic storm in Paul and the cruise ship's uh, people's lives. About 276 of them. They were in a storm, and it represents specifically Paul's suffering. But storm in general represents suffering and crisis as a whole. All the suffering of life could be called storms, right? Um, they're all like storms. And you know, if you guys recognize, if you're at home, you realize we are also going through one as we speak. We're going through a storm now, even as we speak. The coronavirus has created a fury of possible storms for our lives. Yes, we are dealing with the economic storms, right? I mean, it's the, the, we see the stock market crashing. We see a lot of things going uh, bad in, 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 the, in our economy. The out-of-work storms, a lot of us are not even working right now. We're just at home, right, hoping and wishing for the best. Right? We're dealing with the storms of people being sick, loved ones that we know being sick and actually even dying. Okay? We're dealing with the mental and emotional storms of being isolated, away from people, away from community. Right? We're dealing with the relationship storms. Apparently, like the spousal abuse rose 36%. My wife gave me that figure uh, yesterday. I don't know why she did it. I think she was trying to foreshadow something. Maybe she's going to, he's at the brink of abusing me or something. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Love you, wife. Love you. All right? Um, and, you know, these storms, they keep raging. And we don't know when they're going to end. We don't know when this is going to end, right? We look out in the, the, the statistics, about 300,000 people infected, right? We got 9,000 dying, okay? It, we, we don't know when it's going to end. We have people going through extreme things just to keep themselves protected. We don't know when this is going to end, and we have no idea. And so we see Paul's story, and we look at our lives, and we recognize we're both going through storms. But when we read Paul's story here, this narrative written by Luke, well, we're going to find out something. So there's something about Paul. The way he deals with this storm is going to teach us how to deal with all the storms of our life. Not just this one, but all of them in our lives. Economic storms, death storms, relationship storms, emotional storms, mental storms. It's going to help us deal with our storms. The way Paul dealt with his is going to help us deal with with ours, all right? So if you stick with me, okay, you got to stick with me to this. There's three points I'm going to make, right, and it's going to pay off, but you got to stick with me as I explain, as I walk you guys through it. The way Paul deals with his storm is going to help us deal with our storms. If you're facing economic crisis, if you're facing a work storm, if you're facing a relationship storm, if you're facing a mental, emotional storm, let me help you, all right? Let the word of God help you. Let Paul's actions, mindset help you. Follow along with me, okay? Three things. The way Paul was able to deal with the storm was because, one, Paul embraced God's paradox. He was able to deal with the storm because he embraced God's paradox. Second point, he was able to deal with the storm because God's paradox made Paul active within the storm. All right? God's paradox is Paul's anchor within the storm. And three... 
God's paradox is our solution in the storm. Okay? Those three points we're going to hit today. Okay? Paul was able to deal with his storm beautifully, wonderfully, because he embraced God's paradox. Look at, um, let's go to uh, verse 21 to 26. What is a paradox, you ask, right? What is God's paradox that's going on? Let me read these verses for you, 21 to 26 and verses 29 to 31, and tell me if you recognize the paradox that's happening here, okay? Verse 21 to 26, this is what it says. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. He's declaring, he's giving an absolute statement here. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the Lord, an angel of the God who I am and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand child before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Okay? So Paul is saying this with absolute certainty. Then go verse 29 to 31. This is what he says later on. This is kind of weird, right? Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, the sailors dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight because it was getting worse. Verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, this is the sailors, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. They were like, okay, this is getting bad. We got to bounce. This is what the sailors were saying. This is what Paul's response was. Verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. And so the soldiers cut the ropes that had held the lifeboat and let it fall away. You guys see the problem there? You guys see the paradox there? What's happening? The paradox is on one hand, Paul is saying, nobody's going to die. Y'all relax, stop panicking, stop freaking out. God came to me through an angel. He spoke to me. And with certainty, I'm telling you, nobody's going to die. You're going to lose your ship. I'm sorry. Right? It's going to happen. But nobody is going to die. He said it with certainty. Absolute certainty. And you know, Paul knows this because if a prophet speaks a prophetic word. If a prophet says something and it does not come true, the Bible says you got to do what to him? Yep, you got to kill him, stone him on the spot. So if Paul is saying this, he was absolutely sure of what the angel told him, which is what? Nobody going to die. But then, on the other hand, what do we see? Paul was telling the soldier, the centurion, look, bro, if you let them go, we're going to die. They sailors, your soldiers, if you let them go and they run off on us, we're going to die. Right? You guys see the problem? See the paradox? On one hand, Paul is saying God is 100% in control. He 100% knows what will happen and he has already set it into motion. And on the other hand, Paul is saying we are 100% responsible for our actions. God is 100% in control, and we are 100% responsible for our action. Now, here's the thing. We see this problem because we are, you and I, we're either-or people. Me and you, we see this paradox because we're either-or. See, in our minds, we're thinking this. If God is totally in control, if God is the one, he said that nothing is going to happen to anybody, what should Paul do? What should you think? 
Let those soldiers go. I mean, let the sailors go. Who cares? Let them leave. They're not going to die. Paul, God already said it. No one's going to die. If God was completely 100% in control, we would have done that. Who cares? Let them go. Let them swim with the sharks, right? Let them go snorkeling, right? Have a good time because nobody's going to die. God is in control. We would think that, right? And we would be kind of passive about it. Or if we believe that what we do matters, what we do has consequences and we're responsible for it, okay, then God is either not in control or he's limited his power. He's holding back. See, we are an either-or type of people, you and I. That's why we see the paradox. But Paul is not an either-or. He's a both-and. Paul is not either-or. He is a both-and. What does that mean? Okay. If you go in my Bible study in TGIF, right, all my brothers and sisters out there, right, if you go in my Bible, we, we went really deep into this. And there's a word that explains this, how two opposite things can be true at the same time. There's a special word for this. Give it up, TGIF. You're out there. Type it up right now. I'll give you two seconds to write it up. It rhymes with chimney. There you go, Lynn. You got it? Antimony. That's right. Antimony, right? It means that two opposite things can be true at the same time. The best example of science I can give to you is this. It's light. Light can be both wave with a frequency and it can be both particle with a mass. It's both wave and particle. Is it either or? No. It's both and. Okay? Paul was not an either or type of guy. He's a both and. And you see that all throughout scripture. What, what this means is this. Let me, let, me, let me break it down for you a little clearer. Paul lives his entire life knowing this truth. That every little thing, good or bad, is determined by God. Everything that happens is ordained by God. He is sovereign. He is in control. Nothing is outside of his grasp. Nothing can surprise him. God is in control. And yet, Paul also lives his entire life knowing that our choices matter. We are held responsible for what we do. We are free to make our choices and we are free to deal with the consequences of our choices. Paul holds both of these together. It's not... Uh, it's not 100% God, 0% us. It's not 0% us, 100% God. It is 100% God, 100% us. And we see this all throughout Scripture. We see it all throughout Scripture as an example. Okay? And you're thinking to me, I know you're thinking right now, like, oh, PT, where are you going with this, man? Like, I'm losing you already. Hang on there, okay? The idea is I want you to embrace the paradox first. The paradox is what? God is in control. He is in control of everything. Past, future, presence in his hands. But on the other hand, we are responsible for our actions. We are 100% responsible for action. These two things is not either or, it's both and. And we see this throughout scripture. I'll give you an example. Jacob and Joseph. Jacob. Jacob, right? Jacob was a liar. He was a swindler. He was a thief. Okay? He was a coward. He performed all of these actions. And it led to what? It led to unbelievable consequences for his life and his family's life. What he did was bad. What he did had consequences. And yet, out of what he did came his descendants and eventually came who? Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God had plan A through Jacob. Plan A was to bring Jesus. It wasn't a plan B. It was plan A. God was saying, Jesus is going to come from your line, period. Right? So if that is the case, 
if God's will was done, then was Jacob, what Jacob did, was, was that okay? Of course not. It had consequences. God had a plan. It was going to happen. But what Jacob's action had his own consequences. You know why it had consequences? He stole his birthright. He lied. He cheated. He manipulated his brother because he was his mom's favorite. And later on, one generation later, what do we see? His 11 sons. Because Joseph was Jacob's favorite, his 11 other sons were willing to kill Joseph out of envy and jealousy. They were willing to kill, but they didn't kill him. They ended up selling him to slavery instead. Your actions has consequences. Jacob's actions has real consequences. His choice has consequences. And yet, and yet, in the end of it, what happens? Jesus came. Right? God is 100% in control. We are 100% responsible for our action. Right? If I just go on real fast, Joseph. The Joseph story is just a continuation of that. Joseph, betrayed by his treacherous brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, left for dead. And then while as a slave, what happens? He gets accused of raping a woman he didn't even touch. And after he got accused, he was thrown in jail. And he was stuck in jail. He faced real consequences for these people's actions. He faced real consequences for their decisions. And yet, while he was in jail, what did we know? He was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And then he was elevated to prime minister of Egypt. And then because of that, he was able to save Egypt and his family from a catastrophic famine. Right? Ensuring the promise of God that God was going to preserve his family forever. Would we say that the action of his brothers and the action of his accuser, were they, was that okay? That's fine because God was in control. It's going to happen anyway. No. Their actions was evil. It was wrong. They had real consequences for the life of Joseph. He was alone. He was isolated. He was betrayed. He suffered depression. He went through a lot of stuff. But this is what Joseph said to his brothers in the end. This is what jo Joseph realized in the end. His brothers thought, man, my brother, my brother Joseph, he's going to pay us back for all we did to him, all the bad things we did to him, all the wicked things we did to him. This is what Joseph said to them. You intended to harm me. You intended to harm me. Your choices, your actions, they had consequences. They wanted to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God already had a plan. It was already set, but everyone's decision paid the consequences for it. All right? You guys get me so far? Paul was able to deal through a storm because he embraced this paradox. Two very opposite things. We, we have a very hard time embracing it. I know because, again, we're either or. If you truly want to be able to walk through your storm, if you truly want to be able to stand in the middle of crisis and suffering, you got to understand this paradox. God is 100% in control, and we are 100% responsible for our actions. It is so crucial for you to understand this. Okay, guys? Listen, church, I, I, I've been praying about this message for a while. I knew it was going to be a heavy message, but I wanted to make sure you guys understand this. It is so crucial that you know that what you do matters. What you have done has consequences. But at the same time, God has a plan. It is not outside of his control. And it's very important that we keep these two things together. Why? 
Because, check this out, God's paradox, second point, God's paradox is Paul's anchor within the storm. God's paradox is Paul's anchor within the storm, okay? Let me share with you real fast here. I know, I know as you're sitting there and if you're following along, you're paying attention, you're thinking to yourself, how? PT, how is this even possible? How is it possible to hold these two things? Like, what's the point of holding, what, what, what good would come out of holding these two things together? Let me give you an example. Let, let, me, let me give you a thought exercise. Stick with me, okay? If you were a zero-sum person, meaning if you live your life thinking it's either 100% God and 0% us, or even 80% God, 20% us, the reality is you live your life thinking, you know what, who cares, God's in control, my choice, my actions, what I do don't matter. If you're a youth group member, if you're out there, right, if you feel this way, sometimes I get you. Because you think you're small, you think you have no word, you think you have no say. If you're out there and you're sitting there and, you, and you're watching this message and you're thinking, yeah, what I do, I don't really feel that what I do matters. And so I don't really want to do anything, right? Because what I do has no real consequences to the world around me. What I do does not really help people or hurt people. What I do don't really matter. You see, if you think like that, you're in this boat. You're in the boat that says, you know what, God's in control. Or maybe you don't believe in God, but you just don't think you matter at all, right? God is in control. He's 100%, I'm 0%. And so what do you do? You think it's destined anyways. Who cares, right? It's fine. Crisis comes. But it leads you to become passive. 100% God, 0% us leads to passiveness. If in your mind you think it doesn't matter what I do, everything's okay, it's going to work out, God's in control, Eventually, it will lead you to a spirit of passiveness. You're passive. And you find yourself doing what? Sitting back during this crisis, getting drunk, binging on TV, escaping to video games, watching your dramas and porn. Because you seared it into your brain that what you, don't, what you do or don't do, it has no consequences. It does not matter to you, to the people around you, to your family. And the excuse you give is, it doesn't matter because God's in control. It sounds like a holy excuse, but the reality is that it renders you useless because you've become passive. Are you like that, church? Right? Are you like that? Have you found yourself for the past two weeks passive? Have you found yourself for the past two weeks thinking that what you do don't matter? Have you found yourself for the two weeks kind of just blah, meh? If you are in my, in my men's group, you know this is what I talk about. This is why I harp on all the brothers all the time, right? And sisters, you can type amen to this, okay? The one thing that keeps brothers from flourishing, the one thing that keeps brothers from creating flourishing everywhere they go, in their homes, in the church, in their workplace, the one thing that always, always stops a brother from fulfilling his God-given role and mission and purpose is what? Say it. Type it out. It rhymes can't think of a word. But it's what? Selfish passivity. Isn't that true? Right? If you are passive, brothers, that's what caused things to deteriorate. Sisters, amen? Right? You watch your health deteriorate. You watch your soul deteriorate. You watch your marriage deteriorate. You're not taking responsibility over the people of God has placed in your life, there's going to be consequences for your passivity. What is being done or not done will have consequences. Okay? 
It will have consequences. But look, maybe you're, but maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're on the or side. Or you're 100% me, 0% God. I'm in control. I make things happen. Nobody's going to come to help me. Nobody's really going to be by my side. I'll give God a little credit here and there. But in the end of it all, at the end of the day, I sit back, I lay in my bed, I relax, and I know that I did the work. I'm the one in control. If you have that lone wolf survivor mentality, sooner or later, a crisis, a storm is going to hit you so hard that it's going to leave you to panic, right? Zero percent God, 100 percent us leads to panic. And you see this all over the news lately, right? You see how people have flipped out? They're panicking. This crisis has hit them finally, and they're freaking out. They stock up on masks that they didn't need. Now we have people on the uh, medical field who are missing those things. Our healthcare workers can't find any. They're cleaning out the shelves in the markets, right? Buying toilet paper they don't even need so that the, uh, the, the older people who come in, they can't even come in because they're afraid they're going to get sick or left without having any uh, supplies. People getting beaten because of prejudiced thoughts, right, and fear. Panic over the economic crisis. You see panic over the loss of your work. I mean, just a real quick caveat, man. You know, there's no other country. I mean, I've been talking to people in different countries that do missions work. No other country actually gives people money, guys, like our country. Okay? We are so blessed to be in this country. The fact that we are struggling and our government says we're going to give you guys money to get you guys going. I've talked to people in Peru, people in the Philippines, people in Vietnam. They're just at home, surviving, hoping for the best. No one's giving them anything, right? But we have panic. We see panic in the loss of work. Panic of losing me time because we're stuck at home with our children, okay? Panic because we hear about people getting sick. We see images of children getting sick and being intubated. We, we get panicked because we're thinking that could be mine or that could be us. You're going to stress out. You're going to feel anxiety. You're going to make bad choices because of your panic. And you know panic comes from what? It comes from a mentality that says, I'm in control. I'm all in control. You see, that's, that's the dichotomy that we live in. Either we say, you know what, I'm going to be passive because I don't care about anything. My word doesn't matter. What I do don't matter. What I do don't have no any consequences. Or we live in a other, uh, the other extreme where we're like, you know, I'm in control. I do all these things. Can I tell you, either one leads to passiveness and panic. Passive panic. But God's paradox, check this out. You guys follow me? This is when I'm going to come home right here, okay? This is it. You guys got to focus. God's paradox it's the most beautiful resource. If you hold on to both of these, both and, not either or, but you hold on to both of these, that God is 100% in control, and then we are 100% responsible. If you hold on to both of these, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have the greatest resource to get through any crisis. That's the beauty about Christianity. Is that it doesn't just tell you right and wrong. It, tells, it gives you the resource to get through your storms, your crisis, your ups and your downs. Check this out. Acts 27, verse 21. Look at Paul. I want you to kind of see Paul's actions and see Paul's uh, temperament during this time. Paul's action and Paul's temperament. Verse 21, okay? Storm's hitting. Everything's going bad. What does Paul do? Paul gets up. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice to sell from Crete. Then you would have, then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. He stands up and he says, check this out. Here is the problem. 
You weren't discerning. He calls out their spiritual problem. You were scared. You went with your own intellect. You went with your own control. Right? He's calling them out. And then go to verse 26. But he says this, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. He's taking charge. He's telling them, this is what we got to do. You're not going to die. Don't trip out. You're going to lose your ship. I'm sorry about that. But you're not going to die. All 276 of you will not die. But we got to get to a shore. We got to get to an island. He's taking charge. He's telling them what to do. He's not a sailor. He's not a soldier. The man's a priest. He doesn't know anything about that stuff. But he's doing what? He's leading. He's stepping up. He's calling the shots. Look at verse um, 31 and 32. He's taking action, right? Verse 31 and 32. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. And so the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. You know what he said? He said, he's told the soldiers, hey, you guys, I know I'm your prisoner, but check, but check this out. If they leave, we're all dead. So cut the ropes. Paul's making a call, and the soldiers followed. He was taking action. Right? He was not passive during this time. He knew that what he does has consequences. He knows that his actions, that he has responsibility that he has to do. And so what does he do? He gets up and he does his responsibility. He makes it happen. He doesn't just sit around and be like, oh, it's all right. Everyone's going to live. Do whatever you want. He makes his call. He takes leadership. But not only was he active, 100% active, check this out. Look at verse 33, 36. Look at his temperament. And just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. So for the last 14 days, he said, you have been constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. He's caring for them. He's like, look, just eat something. You're going to be okay. Get some food in you. I know you're, 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 you're grief-stricken. I know that all this crisis is happening. You know, crisis does that. When crisis comes, either you eat too much, right, like me, or you are not eating at all, right, like a lot of you guys out there, okay? And he's saying, now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. He's reminding them, no one's going to die. Don't worry. Not even a hair. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it again and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. What do we see in Paul's action here? What do we see in Paul's temperament? Paul did not panic. He told them to eat. Those are not words of a man who is panicked, but rather a word of a man who understood that God is in control. You guys get me? When Paul embraced God's paradox, it became the anchor for him to survive within the storm. 100% God's in control. I know that. I am certain of it. I am not worried. I have peace in my heart. But at the same time, 100%, I am responsible. I have to take action. And when God's paradox when we embrace God's paradox, what we find is an action peace, right? An action with peace in it. Act, an active peace, not action, active peace. We find activeness and we find peace in that. And so third point is this. God's paradox is our solution in the storm. You guys follow me? God's paradox is our solution in this storm, okay? If you hold on to this, you have a resource to get through this. If you hold on to this, you know that what? You can't be passive. 
This is not the time to be passive. You got to be active. You got to do something. It's true. There are things that you cannot do. There are things that you cannot do. I guarantee you, there's things you cannot do. You can't stop the virus. It's, you can't even see it, right? But focus on what you can do and do that. You have responsibility at home. You have responsibility at work. You have responsibility to yourself. Focus on what you can do and do that. Be active. What do I mean? I'll give you an example. Spiritually. Be active spiritually. Now is not the time to kind of be like, oh, we're not, you know, going to Bible studies or we're not coming to church so I can just be like lethargic in my spiritual walk. No, this is the time. Like Evan said, this is the time. Level up your spiritual game. Right? This is the time when you should be engaging in your spiritual disciplines. Fast. This is the time when you should try fasting. Maybe you've never fasted before. Right? I encourage you. If you guys are going to go through Good Friday this week, fast on Good Friday. Right? I'm, I'm actually in the middle of my fast right now. Fast. Read scripture. Open your Bible and actually read it. Don't just wait till Sunday when I'm opening this word up for you guys and reading it with you. Spend some time. Read it with your wife. Read it with your husband. Read it with your children. Read it with your brother. Read it with your sister. Read it with your mom. Read it with your dad. But open the Bible and read. Bible memorization. I know some of you guys are like, whoa, that's, that's too far, PT. Like, I mean, I'm good with the prayer. I'm good with the reading. But like memorizing, yeah. Memorize the passage, right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You may not have any verse memorized in your head, but I hope that through the end of this crisis and end of the storm, man, that you would memorize chunks of the Bible. That you would use this time to do that, because you can. Stewardship. Maybe it's time not to look at your budget and say, we got to be better stewards here. We're spending way too much money on alcohol. We're spending way too much money on food, right? We're spending way too much money doing nothing. Maybe it's time to look at our budget and figure out this is what we can do, this is what we shouldn't do. This is what God's given to us to do, this is what we shouldn't do with it. Maybe it's time to use our money to give to what is needed. Give to a cause. You don't have to give to church, right? But give to something that you need that you can help. You know, we're making masks here at church to help people, right? Be good stewards. Evangelize. Right? These are all spiritual disciplines. Call someone up. Share about your faith. Give them a hope. Give them this resource that helps them to stand in the midst of this time. That God is 100% in control. He doesn't have to worry. But we have to take responsibility. Tell them what they need to do. But also remind them there is hope. Okay? Worship. Worship God during this season. Spiritually. Level up your game. Focus on what you can do and do that, right? Physically, physically do something, right? Maybe it's time to start getting exercising again, right? My resurrection challenge group, right? We got to hit our miles again, guys, right? We have 100 miles to hit. I'm at like 30 right now, okay? Start exercising again. Start running out in public. I, I drove here and I saw I, I counted at least 20 people running outside. That's the most I've ever seen run outside in my life, right? They're running. People are exercising, Okay? Call up on your people. If you're a leader, call up on your people. Check up on them. Ask how they're doing. Is that hard? I know, I know it's hard. We don't call anymore. We kind of text a message, whatever, right? But just check up on your leaders. How they're doing. Hey, I missed you. I love you. Everything okay? Call up on your family. Do something. Find out what you can do for people and serve them. Don't wait for them to ask you because no one's going to ask you anything at this time. Everyone's so prideful, right? Find out what you can do and serve them. Small things. 
Find out how you can serve your church or your community. Right? Um, bless your family. Love your husband. Love your wife. Find ways in which you can encourage and bless your wife. You know, my wife is doing this amazing thing for me. Right? She knows I stay up late. So every morning the kids get up around 6. She lets me sleep till 10. That's my job. Right? I can sleep till 10. But after 10, I got to get up and start cooking breakfast. Right? But she lets me sleep till 10. And I love it. I'm so blessed because of that. Right? Every time my kids run in and say, Daddy, how much, how much longer? I'm like, what, is it 10 o'clock yet? No. So I'll wake up when it's 10. Right? But she lets me do that. That's such a blessing for me. Right? And I love that. Bless your children. Okay? Is it time to spend time with your children? Okay? You don't spend all time with your children. I'm, I'm not telling you like 24-7. That will kill you. Okay? But spend time. Right? 20 minutes here, 30 minutes here. It's enough. Make memories with them. Encourage your boss. I go to work. I still teach at the, I mean, I don't go where I work at my home, but I, I encourage my boss. I say, hey, I say, Mr. Lee, I got you, man. I know times are tough, but I'll still be working. You know, if you need me, I'm here. All right? Encourage your boss. Affirm them. Okay? During this season, what you do have consequences and responsibilities. So do something. The worst you can do is be passive in this time. The worst you can do is just sit there. Stare at the screen for hours and do nothing. The worst you can do is sit there and say, ah, it's okay, God's in control. Right? He is in control. Amen to that. But you are responsible for your actions. And there will be consequences for passivity. Okay? Mentally, learn something new. Read a book. Right? Take up cooking. Take up drawing. Take up sewing. I don't know. Pick up something. Learn a language. Do something. Be active. Focus on what you can do and do it. But I know the question you're asking is this. Okay, that's great. PT, we're Asians. We're doers here. It's fine. We can do that. But how do I find peace? How do I find peace? Look at verse 23. Okay? I'm going to end the message right here. Verse 23. This is Paul saying, Last night, an angel of God... This is the key word. Whose I am. Say that again. Last night, angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me. Last night, angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. This is covenant language. This is promise language. Meaning this, whom I belong. Paul saying that God is with me. I belong to him. It's promised language. I'm not alone in this storm. I'm not abandoned by God. Some of us, when we go through suffering, when we go through crisis, we think what? God is either punishing me or he's abandoning me. Right? And I cannot find peace. But how did Paul find peace? How did Paul live with active peace as he embraced this paradox? He recognized that God was with him. He did not abandon him. How? Peace comes when we see that there was a much, much bigger storm than coronavirus. Peace comes when we recognize there's a much, much bigger storm than economic crisis, marriage relationship crisis, um, work crisis, mental, emotional crisis. The biggest storm is the storm that we all deserve, the wrath of God. That storm is coming for all of us. Death itself for the sins of falling short of the glory of God, for not loving God the way he is meant to be loved and not loving our neighbors the way we are called to love our neighbors. Death is coming for us. But peace is recognizing that Jesus Christ threw himself in front of that storm. 
that Jesus Christ took all of that storm. He took the full wrath of God. He was consumed by it so that you would be saved, so that you will know that you belong to him now and forever. Today is Palm Sunday. Today, Jesus got on a donkey to fulfill a promise in the Old Testament, and he rode into Jerusalem. And everyone hailed him as a king. But he didn't come in like, woohoo, he came in knowing I'm riding into a storm. I'm riding into the storm of my father's wrath. For who? For you. For the joy set before him, the Bible says, he endured the cross. Why? You were his joy. Jesus was abandoned on the cross. He let the full weight of God's wrath fall upon him so that you can go free. He took the suffering so that you know that when you are suffering, it's not because God doesn't love you. It can't be because he abandoned you. It cannot be because he's punishing you. He's already punished Christ. He's not punishing you. Suffering has a reason, and I don't have time to go into the reasons of it. But I'm telling you, it's not because he doesn't love you. And Paul knew that. He knew that this storm is not because God doesn't love him, that the God has abandoned him. Even in the midst of this, Paul says, what? I met an angel who worshiped and served the God who I belong to, who belongs to me, who has not abandoned me, who calls me his own. You guys realize that? You can have peace when you have the mentality to recognize 100% that God is with you. You're his. And he has won. And you have won. Glory is our destination. Glory is where we're going. No matter whatever storms come our way, how big or how small. This is how the saints did it from all of time. This is how the people of God endured through their crisis. They embrace God's paradox. 100% God is in control. He ordains, he, he knows, and he makes it happen. He is sovereign, but we are 100% responsible for it. We have to be active. What we do matters. And when you embrace that, what you find is what? You're no longer a passive, panic person, but you are an active peace. You're a man, a woman with active peace because you know what? You know that your God is with you. Church, I love you, and I pray in this season, don't be passive. In this season, don't panic. Rather, in this season of crisis, whatever crisis you may be going through, be active and be at peace. Take responsibility, right, and hold on to the promise. God is for you. Let's pray. Oh, to be alive.